This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The fake oil money club plays on fake grass in Switzerland tonight as Manchester City look to continue their unbeaten start in this year's Champions League, taking on the young boys of Bern. Ankles and knees beware, everyone. This turf could truly burn, baby burn. It's Wednesday, 25th of October. I'm your host, Ollie McCool. I'm Joe Richard. And this is the City Report Podcast. So welcome to the midweek preview show and the games this season are well and truly flying in now. Um, We're already, this is the midway point of the Champions League group stage, match day three. Uh, It's great to have you back on the podcast, Joe. How are you doing? We all well today? Yeah, yeah, good. Got out of work a little early today and uh, figured what better way to celebrate than hopping on a podcast with you. So uh, looking forward to talking some Champions League. How are you? I'm really good, thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm glad we're back in a, in the swing of things, and um, how nice it is to you know have a, one of the games to focus on before the derby this week, and that's the way I'm looking at it. But um, <laughs> let's just get, let's just get straight into it. Obviously, we've talked a lot in the last couple of days about the performance of Brighton, an all round star performance, um, and City are I'm pretty certain at full availability coming into this, apart from Kevin De Bruyne, who's long-term absence is well known uh, but how have you found the Champions League so far this season um couple of interesting results you know had to make a comeback against Red Star in the opening game Leipzig was a bit more one-sided but you know we've had varying games against them these past few years um it does seem to have been a little bit more of a slog for City this year unlike last year where we were very capable of just blowing teams away from minute one especially at home um so yeah general thoughts about where City stand coming into this one yeah, it's been kind of a interesting campaign in that obviously the first time as, you know, defending champions, which is a wonderful thing. But I feel like in the past probably two to three years under Pep, the group stage has always just kind of felt like you just kind of wait for it to be over and move on to the knockouts. And I feel like this year, probably more than ever, I feel that way on the basis that one city have proven they can win the competition, which is, um, you know, a pleasant surprise. And then on top of that, you look at the group stage and 
Um, you know, I think I think Leipzig are clearly the strongest side, but even then, I think City brushed them aside pretty well in the first fixture against them. So it's it's been one of those I've really looked at the Champions League more as other groups I've been focusing on. You know, what could potential opponents look like down the line? Um, talking about how shit Man United are, which is fantastic. So that that's really where my focus has been for most of the campaign so far. I think um, you know the match against Young Boys is one of those where. You can't take any team too lightly in the Champions League, but again, on paper, this should probably be a pretty straightforward, comprehensive win. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel the same way. You know, this year's Champions League, it's, you know, it's partly because I think now that we've won it, I think you can almost kind of sit back and enjoy the competition as a whole a bit more. You know, I don't feel that pressure as a City fan. Oh, we've got to win it this year. We've got to win it this year because we won it last year and we won it in the most spectacular fashion. Uh, as a hall of trophies seen in 25 years in English football. So it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't, I don't know how it gets better than that, frankly. But um, you mentioned there about the, about this game being, you know, sort of one that can be, you know, not to put it disrespectfully, easily overlooked. Um, You know, young boys, they're not the, they're not supposed to be the strongest of teams. I don't know how often, if ever they've made out of the group stage, they've regularly qualified for the Champions League. And obviously they have to go through all the extra qualifying rounds in the summer as well. Uh, but looking at their form, um, 3-1 loss to Leipzig at home on the opening game, 2-2 against Red Star away, um, which to be honest, I think even as a City fan, we take 2-2 away in Belgrade. Um, for scary sure. place to go but we'll get about that so yeah one point in the group they're second in the Swiss Super League at the moment and you know don't blame me don't and I don't blame you either I don't expect either of us to be experts on the Swiss Super League <laughs> at all um or in my case I've never watched a single game in the Swiss Super League my experience of it comes down <laughs> to football manager and football manager only so going off what Pep Guardiola said in his press conference yesterday, uh, he said they're a superbly strong team. They're very, very aggressive and has noted that they play both four and five at the back. That kind of, as a City fan, you get an idea of what you, what to expect. You you know, big, def- big strong defenders, five at the back, um, not much space to work around. And what is that what you're expecting out of this game, really tactically from young boys? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting game in that, you know, them being the home side, I don't think that they're going to sit back and just invite pressure like you'd normally see, you know, a, a side that's not as good as City um, do. What I've I've found interesting, and I'm like you, I, I'm not an avid uh, watcher of the Swiss League, but, um, you know, I try to do a bit of research before I come on here. And um, Young boys are definitely a side that I'm trying to think of like a good comparison in the Premier League. I mean, at a high, high level, Brighton are similar in that, like, they don't roll over for anybody. Um, so even if they play five at the back, it wouldn't surprise me to see, especially at home, um, them be a little bit more attacking and open, which, you know, as a city supporter is, is music to our ears, right? I mean, I think there's going to be more opportunities than we see in the premier league to get in behind the defense, whether it is four or five at the back. Um, they like to push their fullbacks high and attack, especially, I forget their left back's name, but I know he's had a really strong start to the season. I think it's uh Garcia, um, at left back. So, yeah, I, I actually expect it to be a fairly entertaining match. Um, the scoreline's probably going to be pretty high in City's favor, but I, like I said, um, young boys just aren't the type of side to just roll over and um, sit back, especially at home. 
Yeah, um, I, I can confess you've done more research than I have on them. Um, but I think the way to, I think the way I've always approached these games, because every year in the group stage, there is always one of these teams. It's just the nature of how the Champions League is seeded. Um, you know, when you're in pot A, like we regularly are as Manchester City, um, it's very yep. difficult to actually draw a quite, to, to, to draw the group of death because you know you are so much better than so many other teams. And I don't want to sound disrespectful and I'm trying to be delicate saying this because a lot of fans, a lot of City fans will see this, you know, at worst, a potential banana skin. But then there's a lot mm-hmm. of City fans who, you know, almost act like the result is guaranteed anyway. Um, and we've not seen a million shocks in the Champions League this year. And I'm not saying I expect one now. But is it one of those games where you feel maybe the players have to be extra switched on, you know, to avoid that complacency? And I'm sure Pep will be drilling this into them, not, not get complacent. But do you think it's one where the players have to be hyper aware of it? Because a team like Young Boys or, you know, Copenhagen last season, they pounced on what was quite clear complacency from Manchester City in the group stage last year. Um, we don't want to make that same mistake again, do we? No, we, we definitely don't. I think the, the benefit that City have going into it tomorrow is that, like you said, they are at full strength aside from Kev. So it's not a situation where, you know, like a, a month or so ago where you had three, four, five key injuries and you're just basically playing the same 11 just to trot them out. Now it's, you know, you're picking from probably 14, 15 very elite players who are all going to be wanting to get the minutes, wanting to get the appearances, you know. Left wing, Jack Grealish versus Doku is a good debate. Um, you know, midfield for once, it seems like there's actual depth there, right? So players are fighting for any sort of minutes that they can get. So I think any opportunity on a European stage, it doesn't matter if it's versus a you know second team in, in the Swiss League or, you know, uh, a, a team like Leipzig. I think these players are going to be up for it. They have something to prove. I think for a lot of players too, it's, you know, there's probably five or six players locked into an eleven looking ahead to Sunday against United, but there's going to be a lot of players who could be auditioning for a role in the starting 11 on Sunday. So I think in that sense, you know, the boys are going to be up for it. And um, like you said, Pep doesn't really allow for complacency anyways, but I don't see that being an issue on Wednesday. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I definitely fall down on that side of things as well. Um, you know, this this team, they're, they're born winners at this point. Um, I, was, right. I was making this point on the podcast yesterday about Erling Haaland and how, you know, when you come to City, you expect to improve as a player, win trophies and earn a lot of money. You don't ever expect to just do two of those three. You do all three. And that requires good people who with good temperament. And this is what this squad is full of in abundance. You know, they're full of players who are so desperate to win. And, you know, you just have to look at Manuel Akanji's quotes. You know, I'm ready to go again. I'm ready to right. get straight back on it and fire away. Um, so I think that's, you know, something that we're going to have to be careful with with City, you know, especially with the Manchester derby, it's quite easy to immediately look at that game and go, right, you know, as players, we all need to be playing for this game. But there's a game to win here too. Um, The last point I want to make um, about this is how do you personally approach games like this in the Champions League? You know, as as a fan, where I said said it earlier, I hinted at it earlier, saying, you know, the result, it feels almost guaranteed for some fans. You know, they're completely embarrassed if we drop points in these types of games. But do you feel like that with some with sometimes in the group stage, or is it more of a chore, or do you still or do you still manage to find enjoyment in these games? Because City's history with the Champions League is long standing. Um, you know, some fans, you know, some people who come on this podcast with us are just completely apathetic towards it, no matter what, and that's completely fair enough. But you know, it's games like this where I can almost understand that view a bit more because it's just, you know, if, if this is if this is best against the best, then. There's work to be done, I think, clearly. 
But um, wh- but what's your kind of general take on that? Yeah, I I mean, to be honest, I enjoy any time I can watch City in any capacity. I'm the person who's watching 90 minutes of the preseason against Yokohama. I'm watching you know, pretty much any opportunity I can get. And if the senior team's not playing, I'm probably watching the EDS. So I don't really take these opportunities for granted. Um, and, you know, I think to look ahead to a match like this, you know, if you're trying to find a, an extra reason to tune in, I always enjoy watching City go to away grounds that they haven't been to either before or in a long time. And um, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the pitch situation, but um, there's just always something new and different to take in, in these away ties in Europe. And um, yeah, I mean, again, you, we could be here on the, the Thursday review and City could have won 7 nothing, And, you know, that wouldn't shock me. But at the same time, again, not taking anything for granted. It could be a scrappy 2-2 draw. I, I mean, these games still can be anything. And, um, you know, I think from City's point of view, too, the, the biggest benefit that they have or maybe not benefits the right word, but, you know, reason to go for it is just lock up, lock up the group, lock up first place, win as many games as you can so that, you know, like we've seen in the past few years, get a dead rubber in the the sixth, you know, match week six. Um, to me, that's so important because, you know, by the time that I think the final game's against, I think, it, is it in Belgrade? Is that the final game of the group? Um, you know, that that's it a is. game that like, s- send, send, you know, Kitman Brandon and like a couple kids to play that game. You know, I don't, that, that's the type of match that nothing good is going to come out of because Belgrade may be fighting for qualification for either the Europa League or second place. They may be going all out. We don't need, you know, Holland trotting out there, Rodri, you know. So that's why these games that, again, like you said, may not seem like much on paper really do matter in the long run. So for that reason, I'll I'll definitely be tuning in. I think it'll be um, I think it'll be a good match. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly hope so. I mean, I'm someone who, you know, even tomorrow, you know, well, the, the slate of games today. There's a real good slate of Champions League games on, but you know it's Manchester City. I'm still, I'm still always going to pick Manchester City <laughs> over any others, yeah. um, even if you know it turns out being a you know a nil nil slog fest, or you know we'd see Haaland's greatest ever performance in the Champions League. It really, you know, it's one of those where it could go either way, but it'll be enjoyable nonetheless. The last point um, I want to touch on in this in this first part of uh, the episode is those horrible. D squared two outfits that that that, that they're being <laughs> trotted out in again and again. Like, what is going on here? You know, it is ridiculous. These cardigans with ch- captain's armbands on them. What's your What's your take? Because I'm sick to death of this company putting these star players in horrific outfits on the bigger stage. Yeah. So, like. Totally valid talking point. Um, what's weird about it to me is I remember when it first came out, I was thinking, these aren't bad. I mean, these were also in the days when Leroy Sané was wearing them. And to be honest, he could make genuinely anything look good. But they started out like fairly tame, you know, sharp. The, the boys look good, whatever. And it just feels like year after year, they're getting worse, weirder. It's like, I don't know if it's like the pep cardigan influence or what's going on, but they're just not attractive. And if I'm, you know, D squared, like this is a good looking squad. You really don't need to do much to make your, uh, you know, clothing look nice, but they're somehow finding a way to make it look like shit, even on, you know, a Jack Grealish and a Nathan Ake, Ruben Diaz, you know, John Stones, take your pick. So uh, yeah, they can get in the bin. I hope that's not a long-term contract because it is really hard to look at. 
Yeah, it's just, you know, you've got, as you say, Jack Grealish, John Stones, Ruben Diaz, Rodri, all these amazing looking guys and you put them in absolutely terrible clothes. It's not for me, I'm afraid. It's not for me. But anyway, join us after the break for part two where we'll get into uh, some other issues and we'll put together a potential X, uh, potential 11 for this match. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season, and the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Whether you're new here or you're our number one fan, don't forget to like and give us a follow wherever you're listening. And if you like what we do, leave a rating and review too. So I think before we get into the lineup, there's one key point, one key talking point that's coming out of this game. And it's about the pitch. And, you know, I don't want to sound like Liverpool, you know, theories, conspiracies about the length of grass, because this isn't even grass at all. It's an artificial turf. Um, (laughs) It's been called dangerous by Luke Shaw of Manchester United when they've played there in previous seasons. City changed their travel plans to get some more time on that pitch to adjust to it. Um, Pep said in his press conference, it is what it is. 99% of teams at this high level play on grass, though. And it's something for UEFA to consider. Um, where do you where do you stand on the use of turf? Especially, you know, being American, a lot of America, a lot of American soccer is played on artificial turf. Um, you know, even in the NFL, it's played on artificial turf, and there's a big debate in the NFL at the moment about it. Um, but it's not something you see in European football a lot. So, where do, what do you make of it so far? Yeah, it, it, it is interesting um, as an American because when I played um, soccer slash football in uh, in high school, we had just had an artificial turf installed and it was a really big deal. Um, it was fairly costly. And, you know, as, as a soccer player, my hunch was this is great because they didn't maintain the grass fields. You know, if you played like, I don't know if they have junior varsity and varsity in, in England, but basically, you know, your first year, second year, right? If if you were on junior varsity, you're usually playing on grass and the grass was like thick. It wasn't something, it wasn't an ideal playing surface. Pep would freaking hate it. Um, it, it wasn't great. So when they installed the turf, I was like, this is incredible. The ball moves quickly, blah, blah, blah. But if you, if you take it to the elite level and you look at all the studies done, um, like you said, especially in the NFL, all the non-contact knee injuries predominantly come from an artificial surface. Um, I'm really trying to not talk it into existence for <laughs> Wednesday's match, but um, yeah, it doesn't fill me with a lot of joy and confidence. I, I understand why the club went a day early to quote unquote, test out the surface. But to me, you're just exposing yourself to another opportunity for injury. Um, so the sooner that, you know, ideally city, 
put two, three, four past uh, young boys within 45, 60 minutes and get the key players off because it, it is a liability. Um, Pep can say it is what it is, but at the end of the day, it is a huge liability. And um, at this level, it's it's quite frankly shocking that it's it's a thing. So I can only hope and pray that, you know, the boys get through the 90 minutes, um, you know, without any injury and, and get their way back to Manchester and hopefully never see artificial turf again. Yeah, I've got to say I'm in complete agreement there. And I really hope some some of the players walking out of that tunnel find a piece of wood to touch because it's going to be very, very difficult. You know, if, they're going to need all the luck on their side possible at the Van Gogh Stadium this evening uh, because those that type of turf, it's very, very dangerous, especially... On a, on a for a club who've had a, who with a lot of players who've history of hamstring injuries, knee injuries, ankle injuries. I don't want to speak it into existence at all, but I think it's something you've got to be very aware of, and I think it's something Pep's going to be very aware of as he talks, as he puts together his lineup for this game. Um, you mentioned earlier about how you know maybe this is an opportunity for some players to play their way into the Manchester derby. Um, so there's talk online about how it should be used as an opportunity to rotate the team quite heavily. Um, you know, it's a weaker, a perceived weaker opponent. It's, you know, the artificial turf issue is obviously a big problem. The derby at the weekend. There's a lot of reasons to put out a very, very different looking 11 this weekend, isn't there? I, I think there's reason for rotation. Um, but at the end of the day, that's typically Pep's MO, right? He's not a Jurgen Klopp rolling out the same 11 match after match. Um, but I, I think I would counter that a little bit in saying, to me, there was rotation in the Brighton match. It was a strong 11, but there was still rotation there. I think where City haven't really been in a consistent three-match-a-week schedule just yet, this is a get your starters out there for, ideally, again, 60 minutes or so, get a good lead. But um, I think rhythm's really important ahead of Sunday's Derby. I think as shit as United are right now, um, going to... Old Trafford, given the recent passing of, of Sir Barbie Charlton, you know, that that atmosphere is going to be crazy. So no matter where they're at form wise, that's going to be a big game. So any form you can get um, against young boys to me is, is crucial. Um, so, again, I think there's always going to be some rotation, you know, two, three, four players here and there. But I would expect that Pep puts out a fairly strong, if not his strongest 11 to start the match. Mm-hmm. So going off that, let's go through position by position um, because I, I think I think there's interesting debates all over the pitch. I think it's much much easier for a city lineup to go position to go position by position instead of doing it by groups. Anyway, uh, with Pep's roulette mm-hmm. that we see every every game, um, even goalkeeper is it up for debate? You know, Ortega started at the weekend because Edison got back from international duty late. Do you keep Ortega in? Do you give him? Do you give him a run out here? Pep's been known to do that at times with Edison. Uh, or do you go back to Edison for this game? Yeah, I go back to Edison. Um, I think I'm a huge fan of Ortega. I think he's, I'm not going to be a Liverpool fan and say he's the best backup in the world, but I mean, City are spoiled to have him as a as a number two. Um, I, I don't think it was his best performance against Brighton as far as distribution goes. He wasn't asked to do much as far as actually <laughs> keeping the ball out of the net, but um, I'd go back to Ederson. He's your number one for a reason. I think he's been incredible this season and, and any time we've seen him. Um, and just anytime you go away in a European tie, I just it, it's nice to have someone who's composed on the ball. He's a psycho neck up, but he is composed on the ball. So that that would be my choice in that. Yeah, I think I agree, especially with the game at the weekend. You want to get some minutes in his legs regardless. 
And you never know if we are three, four, five up, it could be even a chance for Scott Carson to get a run out. You know, Pep's done that before <laughs> in the Champions League. And I don't think any City fan would be opposed to seeing the big man trot onto the pitch for 10 minutes at the end. Um, so we'll move on to the fullbacks or nominal fullbacks, as we see with Guardiola a lot at the moment. Um, I think this is a game to give Kyle Walker a rest because he's played a hell of a lot of football. Uh, I think it's a game Kyle Walker needs to take a seat on the bench and enjoy some and enjoy a night off. Uh, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, to be honest, I they'll they'll put him in the match day squad, but I would tell him, listen, you're not going to play in this match. And that goes back to the whole conversation we just had about artificial pitch. I don't need 33 year old Kyle Walker anywhere near that pitch. Um, now. We're both in agreement there, but who are you playing in that position? Is it an Akanji, a Stones, Rico, uh, pick option four? You know, who are you looking at for that that quote unquote right back position? Well, for me, I mean, he's the absolute love of my life, Rico Lewis. Um, I love that kid more than anything. I think, I think it's, I think you know the way he played against RB Leipzig, the way he played against Arsenal. I'll be in a very different position, but um, you know, he's nominally a right back, um, and with. I think what we should be doing in midfield in this game, I think he'd be a perfect fit to come in and play his his original role of you know starting at right back but inverting uh, towards midfield. Um, w- any any different opinion there, or are you going more? No, I'm with you. Uh, nope, no, I'm with you. I think uh, I think that's a great game for Rico. Mm-hmm. So moving on to centre backs or and centre backs and left back because you never know how Guardiola is going to set it up. Um, <laughs> I think a Kanji's red card at the weekend means he gets he starts this game. I think he would have started the Manchester derby um, if he hadn't got sent off. But now the fact that he's suspended, I think you know he'll do what he did with Rodri, start him in the Champions League to keep his workload up, and it allows him to rest John Stones, for example. So how how are you lining up the rest of that defence? Yeah, it's it's interesting because Adam and I talked about it on Monday's episode about a Kanji and how we've seen in the past with like players who get red cards typically get put in the doghouse right and don't play for a few games and my point to adam was it wasn't a red card it was a second yellow i don't think it was a reckless you know stupid challenge i'm with you i think i think akanji starts um i also think ruben diaz starts because i don't know why he didn't start at the weekend i don't know if it had to do with fatigue from international games or whatever but i think anytime he's fit more often than not he's going to start so that would be my my center back pairing and then your third center back slash left back whatever you call it um to me, just based on who started and who came off the bench the weekend, should be Nathan Ake. Um, I think he's a composed player. I mean, again, we're spoiled in the defensive positions where you could probably throw out any combination and I'm not really worried. So that that's my pick of three just by the state of the squad. But, you know, you could put any sort of alternate in there and I think I'd be comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I kind of stand pretty much on the exact same you know it was, it was interesting that Akanji did the pre-match press conference obviously being a Swiss international coming out at his first game with Manchester City at least in Switzerland um, he said you know he didn't even think it was a foul his second yellow card in the press conference so you know I mean, he's obviously going to say that but uh, I, I you know it was I did see it seemed a harsh second booking for me even that late on mm-hmm. in the game. Uh, Pep Guardiola, what a signing. It is a joy to work with him, the way he can play multiple positions. You know, Pep Guardiola is a huge fan of Manuel Akanji. And we've seen that, you know, how, how often he starts. I don't think I don't think it's going to be a Carl Walker red card at Leipzig situation where he's put in the doghouse for a few weeks. This is this is a guy that Pep trusts and, know, and knows he can trust him. Um, as for Diaz and Ake, you know, 
I, I'm like you, pick any pick any defender you want, and I'm happy with the team. Um, <laughs> so we'll move straight on to the midfield. Um, we'll try and go a little bit quicker. Um, is it Rodri or is it someone else for you? It's Rodri. It's always Rodri. <laughs> it's it's just yeah. Um, it's 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 especially with the suspension having missed those games. I know he played for Spain over international break, but um, to me. Any game he's fit, you start him. He might not always need to play him 90, but I think if Rico inverts, that's a pretty tidy, you know, shield in front of the defense. So it's Rodri for me. Yeah. Um, and looking towards the further two positions, obviously, you know, how you, you, you might want to set your team up a little bit differently. Um, but who are you picking for the advanced midfield positions for this one? Um, it's weird. Like, I think it was with the international break, and this is going to sound really idiotic, but I kind of like, forgot about Kovacic and Nunez like obviously I didn't actually forget about them but I'm picking my lineup in my head before this I'm thinking okay maybe you know maybe it's Alvarez maybe and then I'm like oh shit that's right we just made these two great signings so um, I could see Kovacic playing um, especially with the way that you know Rodri's talked about how that frees him up to be a more attacking player Uh, and then I would hope that Alvarez gets a rest here Um, I think he's played every game this season for City on top of, you know, a long World Cup last year, a long campaign with Argentina. Like, he's just played a lot of minutes. So, i go Rodri, Kovacic, and I think Nunez. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we've seen that midfield yet. It's it, In some ways, it's a little defensive, but I think it kind of frees players up to do different things. So, I think that's my three. I'm going to go out and say you'll probably pick something different, though. Uh, no, I'm in complete agreement. That's my three as well. Uh, I, I don't okay. think there's any need to, you know, try and force out another 60 to 90 minutes from Julian Alvarez. You know, this is a game he he, he needs the rest. Otherwise, he's going to be absolutely goose. And, you know, with the game coming up at the weekend, there's, there's just more important things for him. Um, so looking award, toward the front line, um, surely, surely um, you don't start Erling Haaland in this, in this one. I do. Or do you? I do. You do. I don't. You I do. do on the basis that I think Pep will, um, okay. and on the other okay. basis that again I think Alvarez needs a rest. It's not like again we talked about the pitch at nauseum at this point. It's not the ideal scenario for a player like Holland, but um, I think you you know you you pick between one of the two. I don't think we're going back to false nine territory. So um, I think you start Holland, and then you know you have now plenty of options on either side whether it's a bernardo doku foden or grealish so there's certainly options there but yeah i, I pick Holland up front um were you thinking false nine season again or what what was your yeah. thought yeah i i was thinking you know it's time to go back to the false nine for a game um and then have harland as your backup off the bench if you need a goal um because i just don't want to see him on that pitch for 90 minutes you know with how dependent he is on his physicality um so what's your front three then on, so my front three, it would be um, two. Well, it would be Foden, Bob, and then obviously one of Grealish or Doku. And that just comes. I think that just comes down to whoever you know that de- that decision between Grealish and Doku. I think it's completely game dependent. And I think uh, you know a lot of people said, oh, Grealish probably would have been in line to start against Brighton, and then he picks Doku to start, and Doku absolutely rinsed Milner. Um, I think this is a great <laughs> opportunity for him to come straight in again put in another good performance you know it's going to be a game where you know as, as you say if there's going to be spacing behind it's perfect for a man like Doku to you know just race at a fullback and you know cause havoc and wreak havoc again 
So I th- I would hope for a bit of that. But, you know, if Grealish is named in that starting eleven, and then, you know, we're going to see a, a slower game to maybe protect the legs a little bit more, then I don't think I'd be against that either. But um, for me, Foden and Bob are the other two. And you can place them round whatever way you want. You know, whether it's right. Foden out wide or Bob out wide. Um, we've seen glimpses of Oscar Bob coming more centrally. Um, he's been playing alongside Haaland at certain moments so far this season mm. when he's come off the bench. I would like to see him just given given a go. You know, Manchester City players are so tactically versatile. Um, you know, you look at the array of attacking talent we've had come through the academy, Phil Foden, Cole Palmer, James McAtee, and now Oscar Bob. They're all quite similar players, you know, who you'd think would start mainly off the right wing or start as a number 10 sort of thing. But, you know, they can play at the top of a mid, at, the, at the top of a midfield. They can play as just a false nine. We've seen Phil Foden play more striker-style positions when he was doing false nine things. Um, it's a very, very good time to have a player like Oscar Bob and Phil Foden in your lineup. So I, I would give them to the start. But, um, yeah, if it's down to what Pep's going to do, I, it wouldn't shock me if Haaland's named in that starting eleven uh, this evening. But I think that just about wraps it up uh, for us for this preview. Um, I hope it's been enjoyable. Any final thoughts from you, Joe? Uh, Erling Holland hat trick in the first half. First half. That's my. Those are my parting words. Lump on. That's all I'll say. Lump on. Um, <laughs> anyway, that'll do. That'll do for us today. Join us tomorrow for a full match review with Adam in the hosting seat. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again on the City Report podcast very soon. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.